Wit and Whiskey Cast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm DJ Gagnon, as always. I'm accompanied here by my wonderful co-host, Mark Rossetti. Woo! And uh, you'll notice I'm doing two in a row, and that's because we've got a, uh, a surprise for you about what we're doing next week. Uh, but we're going to wait till the end of the episode to talk about that. Um, I'm so excited. But anywho, we're going to say... Glad one of us is... No, that's mean. <laughs> that's mean. It's, it's going to be a good time. It is. It is. It is. But uh, we are back with another Hot Takes episode this week. We're uh, covering video games, which should, uh, should probably get me massacred online for some of my picks. But uh, before I am crucified, uh, I'm curious, what, what's your week been like, man? Well, I just want to throw a disclaimer out there before we even start anything. Um, we've th- this is going to be what our third hot takes episode now, I believe, because we've done so, yeah. movies and books, and now we're moving into the digital medium. Uh, some of these tonight are going to be muy caliente. Oh yeah, they're going to be so, hot. <laughs> so uh, just be forewarned. Uh, get those get those email and Facebook and Twitter fingers ready to go because I, I'm expecting some mean tweets. Uh, just because, whoo, it's going to get spicy. It is, um, yeah. Well, I'm going to attempt to justify my opinions. It's not going to work. That's okay. That's why we do this. Mm-hmm. Um, this week was awesome, uh, if for no other reason. Uh, testing started, Formula One testing more specifically, uh, but winter proper winter testing uh, for motorsports um, is, is really beginning. You know, for a while you would have the... Uh, You'd have Daytona Speed Weeks, you know, and you'd see all these v- images of uh, NASCARs that are just primered with like a duct tape number on the side, lapping Daytona over and over and over again. Then they'd have the the roar before the 24, which was, you know, for the 24 hours of Daytona and all this. Uh, lately, that really hasn't been a thing, especially the last couple of years with uh, the coronavirus and everything. Uh, they did a roar before the 24 this year, but it wasn't even televised and you had to know where to look for the um, the times. There's been some light IndyCar testing uh, going on, but really it kick-started proper with Formula 1 testing in Bahrain this week, and just I, I love winter testing for any type of motorsport. I loved it when I was a driver. I loved it when I was a commentator. I love it as a fan. Just you spend the whole winter and the whole off season building something and you have spreadsheets and you have simulations and you know in your head what it can do. And then you actually take it on track and you see if it works, you see what happens and you see what everybody else is doing. And, you know, it's just fantastic to sit and watch, you know, everybody's evolution, uh, you know, the way they interpret the rules and the way they they go about building their better mousetrap um, and just see how it works. I mean, you have Mercedes-Benz, who's won the last seven world championships, probably going to easily win an eighth this year, we think, because the rules are just kind of a carryover from last year because of the coronavirus and the budget caps and yada, yada, yada. And they come out the first day and they blow their transmission, blow their gearbox into smithereens. Got one lap the whole first morning. Their guys are just having to thrash around and put the car back together. And it's like, oh, oh, maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope this year. Um, You know, and then the middle of it all, they hit a sandstorm. There's just some awesome pictures out there. If you just Google F1 sandstorm, they're they're literally because they're in the middle of the Bahraini Desert. They hit a sandstorm. They were driving through like it was Mad Max. And that's what you have to do. You have to go out anyway. I had it on TV, you know, and the wife says to me, why aren't they going to stop? I said, no, it's testing. This is all you get, you know, until the race. You have to go. You have to get the data. Uh, We, (laughs) you know, when 
I can remember one year, years ago, when we were still driving, when we had our Fiat, we went out to winter testing. It was freezing. We were down at Beaver Springs, and it was freezing, freezing, freezing. And we go out for the, the first run of the day, and I go to do, do my burnout, and I'm backing up, and my buddy Joe is backing me up. And he just starts waving and yelling, and, oh, oh, and he's waving his arms. And I just see him run around the side of the car. And, of course, you know, you have no rearview mirrors on these things. You have no back window. And I didn't know what the hell he was doing. I'm like, am I leaking? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? Uh, he suddenly pops back up in my vision, keeps backing me up, says, okay, go, go ahead. Well, here, unbeknown, and I make the run. Everything was fine. Well, here I come back, and unbeknownst to me, the water box where you back in to do your burnout, it had frozen because that's how cold it was. <laughs> so he pulled the screwdriver out of his pocket, had to break the ice up. <laughs> before i ran over it but what are you gonna do it's testing it's the only the only time and you get you know unlimited mileage so yeah you have to do it so i am just giddy as a schoolboy this weekend because spring is slowly coming oh man it was so nice last week i got to open up a bunch of windows it was like 54 i just hung out in a hoodie and just was like oh it's so nice in here now Anytime you get a five in front of the number, it's like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. But what about you? What'd you do this week? It's been a pretty pretty good week the last week, aside from, you know, interview anxiety. Um, I took the day off on Friday, had the had a nice little treat yourself day, uh, and I went and got my hair did. So my hair is... Uh, a, what color is it now? It's a dark silver at the moment, uh, and it's going to, to lighten up to, to a lighter silver over time. Um, it definitely was a seven and a half hour hair appointment. Now, do I have to give you the same speech that I gave the, the young lady at work who, you know, she, she, she's much younger than I do and she has quite a bit of hair and, uh, she dyed it basically white, basically gray, snow white. And I said, you know, you're in your bloody twenties. You're going to get gray hair soon enough. Why do you want to dye it gray? See, if you artfully get white or gray hair it's fun if you get it you know early in your 20s maybe it's not so fun so i'm just choosing to embrace it now i've been cutting gray hairs out of my beard and they're be they're multiplying it's not fun <laughs> but other than that um i had a good time this weekend got to play some video games with the boys and uh i started cleaning a little bit more i'm like pre-gaming spring cleaning um, and I finally, after a year of having the Lego roller coaster up, I broke it down this weekend. Yeah, I remember when you put that together. That's been a good run for that. Yeah, uh, it, I, I sent uh, the carts around the track a couple of more times, and then sadly, I broke it down. It does have its own Tupperware container because it is like 4,000 pieces. Um, but I, I'm making way. I put, I put away a bunch of Lego sets, and I'm making way for the the new Lego haunted house, which I picked up uh, about a month ago. And uh, th there's some, it's such a fun set to build. I'm like maybe a third of the way through it. And there's just a ton of really cool mechanics in it. So um, I, I've been playing with that and I've been, you know, airing out the house a little bit. I'm, I took a break from drywall this weekend because I just, sometimes you need a break. You, you do need a break from drywall. It's just, it, it's a beast that cannot be fed. Mm hmm. So, yeah, that was really fun. And then um, I treated myself to an early birthday present. And uh, because I am a dirty, dirty hipster, I uh, 
got myself the box set vinyl collection of all of Fallout Boy's discography. So I'm looking forward to listening to that this week. Wow! What? We, wow! That is that's the most DJ purchase I think you've made since I've known you. Yeah, I don't know anybody else that it, it loves both vinyl and Fallout Boy. So yeah, <laughs> like that's. I just imagine them all sitting around, you know, their houses or whatever, and their agent calls and says, we sold one. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really nice box set, too. It's got, like, 3D art on the front and, like, creatures and shit from all of the different album uh, covers. And I really, I wanted one. There was my favorite album by Fall Out Boy is Folia De, and it's just a really weird album that was kind of set either pre, it was like pre or post hiatus for the band. And uh, it's just got some weird, amazing shit on it. And the only way I could get it was in this box set. I I would have spent like, I I think I would have saved $20 on eBay if I had bought just the one album. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to buy the whole damn thing. Yeah, I mean, at that point, anything less than 50, anything less than 100 for a box, I fuck it, just, just send it. Yeah, and, and after stimulus is this week anyway. Just fuck it. Exactly. And after last week and and preparing for this week's episode, I started looking online to see what it would take to kind of round out my GameCube collection with some of the game discs I missed. And like, of course, the one game that I want is one of the most expensive ones out there. It's Pokemon XD Gale of Darkness, and it's easily two to three hundred dollars for a pre-owned, pretty okay copy of it. Now, did you do your homework from last week? Which was? Which was to tabulate exactly how many Pokemon games you own. Um, I, I went through everything that I could find, and I think I've got... Yeah, I think I've got to the, the tune of, like, 30 to 35. Wow. Yeah. Because I've got all of the mainline series. I'm missing one or two here and there. Um, and I mean, that alone is like 15, 16 games. And then I've got all the N64 ones. I've even got Hey You Pikachu, which is uh, fun. I have to admit, though, that's it, it's a lower number than I thought. I figured you were going to come in because I think we established that there's 78 games total. I thought you were going to come in somewhere in the 45 range. I'm curious. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. Total, There are 122 possible Pokemon games, apparently. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't, so you only own a quarter of them. I don't know how that's even... You know, I think they're counting Japanese releases for the initial ones. Right. I mean, I own a lot of these. <laughs> I'm looking through this list and I'm like, oh, maybe I actually own more because I did own Pokemon Dream World. Uh, yeah, I might be up in the 50s, actually, with with this list I'm viewing right now. Well, Jury's still out, folks. Maybe by the end of season two, we'll have enough. Yeah, maybe. I Well, the problem is, is like a lot of them are digital. So it like Dream Radar is technically a Pokemon game, but it's only for the 3DS and it was an app. So there's uh, there might be some strange numbers out there. But, Mark, what are you drinking? Well, dare I say, compared to our usual fare, and certainly compared to you, 
<laughs> I'm dipping into the well this week. <laughs> yeah. And no particular reason whatsoever. It's just I, too, was uh, doing a little bit of pre-spring cleaning, I guess you could say. I was reorganizing my bar slash game slash comics room. And I stumbled across an unopened bottle of Crown Royal. (laughs) And I said, hey, free Crown Royal. (laughs) Uh, So we're going to review Crown today. Nice. Just because it was there and it was unopened. Uh, I don't know what we're going to review next week, and I'm a little scared because, as you'll find out, there's a reason why I don't get the pick. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Crown Royal is interesting in that it's probably, dare I say, the highest quality well whiskey you could buy. I mean, it's not like, it's not proper well whiskey. We're not talking Bankers Club, we're not talking Rebel Yell. Um, it's roughly at the same level of, you know, Jack, Jimmy, all them. Uh, and this is just a straight Crown Royal for the record. This isn't any of the flavors. This isn't Crown Royal Black. This isn't even Crown Royal Rye, surprisingly enough. I don't know, which leads me to think it's a pint of Crown Ro- regular Crown Royal, which leads me to believe somebody left it here. Um, but thank you, whoever you are. Interesting. Because uh, I usually buy Crown Royal Rye, obviously, because I'm a rye whore. You know, to be fair, out of, like, the standard fare of whiskeys, I think this might be the first time that we tried one of, like, the we reviewed the whiskey at its base before going fancy with it. Like, I think we yeah. did, like, Gentleman Jack before we did Jack Daniels. We I, did. Yeah, I, I think we did, like, Jim Beam in a can before we did anything else, so... Uh, now, you know, Crown Royal is probably one of the best-selling brands of whiskeys there is. It's right up there with, with Jack Daniels, Jim Beam. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's probably because it's really smooth. It's a lot smoother than either one of those. Um, it's, you know, really good to just sit and sip. I mean, just as we've been talking, I've drank most of my glass already. (laughs) Yeah, of course. And I'm not even, you know really feeling it tonight. I'm not really putting them away tonight. It's like, I'm not like, ah, I need another glass. No, it's just sitting here sipping it. It's just, it's almost like you're not drinking booze. It's just, it's a smooth. Uh, It's a blend of about 50 different, they claim 50 different Canadian whiskeys. So it's, you know, like your Windsor, but on steroids. Nice. Uh, It's funny. My good friend, Father Jack, who is neither a priest nor whose real name is actually Jack. Is it because of this? No, no, no. Um, I, I, it's, uh, it's a very long story that we don't have time for. Maybe we'll get him on the podcast one day. Mm. But he's a fascinating man. Uh, but he was in Vietnam. And after he got out of Vietnam, he was still in the military. And they sent him to a base uh, in the Caribbean to just, as he put it, uh, guard sand. He was shore patrol until his time ran out. And uh, the bar, the enlistedments club on the base sold... Crown and Coke for a quarter. <laughs> and I'm, this was, what, 68, 69, Jesus. whatever the hell this was. Uh, but he tells the story about when he came home from the service, and, you know, he, he had enlisted at 18, so, you know, he was, what, I think he, had, I think he did four years, so he was 22. He came home from the service, he went out with his father, he ordered a Crown and Coke, he said, my father right there in front of God and everybody just slapped me right across the face and said, Crown Royal is good whiskey, you don't mix it with anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
how far we've come <laughs> in 50 years. You know, it was it was kind of top of the line, you know, 50, 60 years ago. But now it's it, it, it's right there, middle of the road. But it isn't. I will say it is an essential for any bar because you could do so much with it because it's so smooth. It's so flexible. Old fashions are great with it. Manhattans aren't bad with it if you have the other ingredients to compensate. Drinking it on the rocks is fantastic. Crown and Coke is great. Seven and seven with Crown is great. Um, you could literally put it in pretty much anything, and it's going to be good because it's just buttery smooth. And you get a velvet bag. So, you know, there is that. Well, that's true. It's, a, it's what, a $30 dice bag with Crown Royal included? Yes, yes. Um, and and uh, until just this Halloween, actually, all of my dice were in a Crown Royal rye bag. So, <laughs> And now all of my Lex Luthor Legos are in a Crown Royal rye bag. So, What about you, brother? What are you drinking? Uh, so I went through my tasting uh, thingers this week, and I pulled... Um, what I thought was going to be a reasonably price, reasonably priced whiskey, uh, and found that I am drinking out of what is apparently an over a hundred dollar bottle. So my apologies for anybody looking for a uh, weekly whiskey recommendation. Uh, this ain't it. Uh, Can I just stop you briefly one second, just to uh-huh. let the people know, uh, we were chatting a little bit before we logged on air, and we put a lot of our data into a Google Drive, into a shared file, and so I had it up. And if you know anything about Google Drives, when someone is editing, if you're in the file, you could see them editing. And he was typing in his information in the file as I, I just happened to have it up, and it kept going. It was lines of text yeah. as to what he was reviewing. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to me, are you really only reviewing Crown this week? And it's like, well, yeah, I didn't realize it was paragraph day. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I am reviewing um, the Irishman 12-year single malt scotch. Not scotch. Whiskey. Irish whiskey. Oh, uh, and I had no idea it was $100 a bottle. Oh, funny. Uh, well, I didn't purchase it. I didn't purchase a whole bottle. Um, I I feel like it's fairly standard, uh, if you're a whiskey drinker, that y- you know it's going to have a, a, a high bottle price if uh, you look it up online and the picture shows it in a box. So, uh, this is a in-the-box whiskey. <laughs> Uh, and it, it's really good. Uh, I highly recommend it if you need something for a special occasion. Uh, and it's really good. It, it's put out by the Walsh Whiskey Dis- Distillery. They've got some other stuff you should check out, see if they've got something that might be a little bit more affordable. But uh, it's really good. It's got all of the qualities that I like in a whiskey. It's nice and smooth. Um, you know, I, I, I'm getting some vanilla. I, I get some spicy notes with, like, cinnamon and pepper. Uh, and then it kind of finishes off with like a, like a silky smooth kind of like a. It ends on just like a nice little fade out of like chocolate, which is really nice. Um, and I like it. It's really tasty. Um, I wish I didn't like it so much, because uh, now I might need to go buy a bottle. Um, yeah, it's great. It's uh, it, it's matured for twelve years. They only uh, make uh, six thousand bottles a year. Um, it, it's, uh, the, it, it's aged in, uh, flame charred bourbon barrels. So, you know, all, just all good things. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for something for a special occasion or you want to buy some, somebody something, uh, as a gift and you know, they like Irish whiskey, check this out. 
Uh, 12 years single malt, the Irishman. See, I think this week is going to end up very expensive for the both of us because you've fallen in love with the Irishman, and it does sound delicious. And uh, this past weekend, I was invited... My friend is a member of a gentleman's club. No, not that kind. <laughs> a uh, real, proper, old-school English gentleman's club. And he invited me to dinner, and we had, you know, uh, clams and all various kinds of seafood, and we had Cuban cigars, and we sampled a uh, wonderful scotch, Lagavulin, Lagavulin, I think it Yeah, Lagavulin. Lagavulin, yes, but it was a 16-year uh, single malt from the Isle of Islay. Sweet Jesus. And I was just in love because basically, uh, go to your fireplace, start a fire, take a log out, start chewing it. <laughs> That's what this was. This was smokier than the Cuban cigars we were smoking. Yeah, it, it's it's funny to me to hear Mark talk about Lagavulin because for any of us who are you know actually up on pop culture and have seen the show Parks and Recreation... We know that Lagavulin is the whiskey of choice of the uh, amazing Ron Swanson. So uh, I, I know to avoid it because he likes smoky, peaty, uh, Islay scotches, and I am not a fan of those. Um, but every time Mark's like, yeah, this Lagavulin, I'm like, okay, Ron Swanson. Well, I was going to say, isn't he supposedly a libertarian on that show? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to start watching that. I still um, don't know why you haven't seen it. He's basically you if you... Actually, he's he basically you. <laughs> he also um, works for government. <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, that's a gray area with me, but I see your point. No, <laughs> it's, it, it's mostly the whole... Uh, well, it was... Her and Tina Fey, but Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. I'm not really a fan of either one of them. Two of them and Jimmy Fallon. I stay away from anything the three of them usually. Hot do. takes here, folks. No Jimmy Fallon. No. I love all three of them. But that's that's neither here nor there. But between the log of Oldland and between your Irishman, I, I think our wallets are going to take a denting this week because we have uh, champagne taste, but beer budget as usual. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I feel like like two or three times a year, I, I, I'll... I'll drop some money and, and get like a nice hundred dollar bottle, but that's it's a rare thing. I I am determined to talk about whiskey so much that I become the kind of person that people just buy bottles of whiskey for for holidays. That that is my ultimate goal as a whiskey drinker. I haven't made it yet. I think it's my baby face. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, to me personally, you haven't made it until you are out somewhere with a group. And they're feeling adventurous. Usually they're a little sauced up and they want to try something. And they say, hey, you like this shit. What do you want? Um, <laughs> I actually met a, uh, a wonderful woman who we exchange a lot of uh, notes with. She works at a museum in Philadelphia. We were at a conference and we were, she says, oh, I just I want to try rye. And I don't know anything about rye and blah, blah, blah. And all my coworkers were there talking to her. And they're like, all he drinks is rye. Like, <laughs> talk to him. And I recommended her one of the bottles of Nog Creep that was on the shelf. And nothing really came of it. And about an hour or two later, she was pretty sauced up. And she was feeling her oats. And she said to the bartender, what's the best rye you have here? And the bartender walked over to the same bottle of Nob Creek I told her to try. And <laughs> pulled it off of the wall. <laughs> It's hilarious. It, that is one of my favorite questions to ask of bartenders of like, hey, what's a weird whiskey or a weird rye that you don't see a lot of other places but you like using here? And you will always get an interesting answer. Yeah, and, you know, 
Always trust your bartenders. You know, we talked in season one. Trust your tattoo artist. Trust your bartenders. Always trust your bartenders. Yeah, I I encourage everybody I know, if you know, like, what you like and you only like certain things, be a little adventurous. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't tell your bartender, give me a Cosmo or give me this. Say, I'm feeling, you know, something with cranberries or I'm feeling something whiskey related. And, and just let them, like, have fun. Bartenders love to freestyle. They do. DJ and I both dabble with bartending. We love to freestyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if, I, if I had as well of an equipped bar as most of the bars around here do at home, I would just be constantly going... Holly, shout me an ingredient. I'll make something weird. I, I did enjoy uh, last week. The wife finally decided to try out the beverage holder I have installed in our shower. <laughs> and so I made her a, uh, I called it a strawberry lemonade, but it basically was strawberry Bacardi with uh, real lemonade and then lemonade moonshine as well. Nice. And I knew it was good when, uh, Compared to me, the wife takes military showers. No, she was in there half an hour. Yeah. She had the steam going. She had the Bluetooth radio on. She was sipping a drink. I was like, yeah, I know that's good. All right. Are, are you a shower beer guy? Oh, I love shower beer. I don't get it. And I, I'm not a beer guy, but I, I love I shower beer. I, I, it's one of those, like, you know, edging into hot takes here. Uh, hot take. I don't get it. I've, I've had uh, quite a few shower beers at this point. And I'm just like, I'm just drinking beer in the shower. It feels weird and gross, and I don't like it. Well, here's my question to you, good sir. Uh, we, Despite uh, how close we've become over the years, we've obviously never showered together. Do you take uh, longer showers or do you take shorter showers? Middling length. It depends on the day. Sometimes I just want to be in and out. But if I, I, I've tried long showers with shower beers. and Because I think that's part of it. Uh, it's not all of it, but I think that's part of it because, like, I'm a guy, I do some of my best thinking in the shower. Like, I know it's cliche, I know it's, you know, this internet stereotype now. Oh, shower thoughts. No, like, I'm in there by myself, I'll have, you know, the radio on or a podcast on or something. Boom. But the other thing is, it's the dichotomy. You know, you always hear, like, sweet and savory, that sort of thing. I love my showers boiling lava hot. So to have an ice cold beer to counteract that. It's kind of nice. You know, I, the every time I've done a shower beer, and maybe this is just it for me because I really don't like beer, and I think for me, every time I have a shower beer, I'm like, I wish this was a root beer or I wish this was a grape <laughs> soda. Like, I, it, you could replace the beer with any, any like, cane, real cane sugar soda, and I would, I would actually, I get it. Like, I've, I've taken, like, a main root blueberry soda into the... Uh, shower, ice cold. I'm like, yeah, I fucking love this. This is great. I think part of it, too, is just, you know, America is still um, a country built on traditions, a country built on norms, and it is kind of a taboo. You know, <laughs> you're drinking in the shower, you're drinking in the bathroom, you know. Uh, you know, every... Every room has a, a drink, you know, if you're if you're on the porch, you have a mint julep or you have a, a, a brandy. If you're in your living room, you know, you have a scotch. Uh, if you're in the kitchen, you have a mimosa. But then the minute you bring something in the bathroom, it's like, eh, you might have to go to meetings. <laughs> like, <laughs> hang on a minute here. Um, 
but it's, you know, I'm not really a fan of beer, but there's just something. I, I have a kegerator in the house mostly for when I entertain or when I have a race on or something because you can't just watch a, especially if you're watching endurance racing, which I love, you can't watch a six-hour race and just pound scotches. It doesn't work. <laughs> um, so I, I usually keep a keg of beer at the house, uh, pour a glass of beer, stick it in the holder, and have it just sitting there steaming while you're in the shower because it's so bloody cold compared to the shower. It's, it's kind of a neat vibe. I, I think it's fair, and if I had, it, there's only, there's only one time that I really like beer, and it's a specific restaurant and a specific time of the day and a specific beer. So it's very, very specific. But we've got um, kind of a, it's not, it's not a bar because New Hampshire doesn't have bars. We only have restaurants with bars in them. Um, but if it were a bar, it would be kind of a dive bar, but it's really like a pizza place and that has really good wings. And so at lunch, I'll go with some friends. We'll get wings, we'll get a pizza, and we'll, we'll order whatever beer we want. And they come in frosted mugs. I always order whatever the seasonal Sam Adams is. And it's so cold that there are ice chips floating in it. And that is That's the right, only baby. time I like it. That's the way you got to do it. Yeah. But it's it's Bratskeller wings, Bratskeller pizza, Bratskeller iced beer. I've had an ice cold Sam Adams with ice chips floating in it in other scenarios. Not a fan. Well, I can't help you there. I also cannot recommend, do not take any type of whiskey or scotch or anything into the shower. Just, just don't. Yeah, it, I wouldn't. Uh, no, I don't recommend it. And I mean, take this from the... The borderline alcoholic of the group. No. <laughs> Just no. So, hot takes. Hey, we've been more than whiskey adjacent two weeks in a row now. We have. We're, we're, we're whiskey centric. Which is good because next week we're going to be off the fucking rails. Yeah. <laughs> so, enjoy it while it lasts, folks. So, this week we're doing video games. Oh, this is... Mm. You I, start because your list is... Ooh. I had a <laughs> much harder time doing this than I did for books or for movies. Why? Because you just you didn't realize, like, did you just sit down today and be like, today I choose violence? Like, what happened? No, I, like, <laughs> I, I was trying to go through every video game I had played and games that I, you know, was mystified that people enjoyed and... I like I contemplated doing Fortnite and I contemplated doing Fall Guys and I contemplated doing PUBG and I just I was like ah, none of those really I mean whatever I it's it's easy to get down on those games there this is another point when I feel I have to interrupt you if you're listening to this podcast right now ladies and gentlemen especially if you're listening on your phone I want you to pause the podcast right now when I get done speaking I want you to Google, I, oh, I think it was Game Informer, one of the video game magazines that's no longer around, a few years ago when I was in, well, more than a few years ago, I was in college, did an April Fool's article that was the 10 most overrated video games of all time. And it literally was like the 10 greatest video games of all time. Yeah. That's basically DJ's list. Yeah, it's bad. (laughs) So go, stop the podcast here, Google that list, read it, and mentally prepare yourself for when you come back and realize that what he's going to say is not a parody. No, no, it's definitely not a parody. So uh, I feel like, okay, credentials here. 
Uh, I really like playing video games, but my video games tend to be like Japanese RPGs, uh, turn-based grid strategies, um, you know, some some side-scrolling indies, and then uh, you know, I like I like the odd shooter, uh, but I tend to gravitate towards like really beautiful games. For me, the 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 experience is all about the graphics, uh, the game mechanics, and the music. And often I could give a shit about the story, which I, I is a, a hot take in and of itself. Um, Ooh, and spicy. I know. Uh, <laughs> and it, if it's one of my favorite games, uh, I, I, the story is a huge part of that, and I love the story as well. But honestly, I, most of the time when I'm seeking out a game to play, it's, it's because of a mechanic or an art style or, or the music. It's, it's about the immersion in that world and not necessarily the story. So that being said, uh, I'm going to start with overrated because I want to end on a positive note. Ah. Uh, and the first one is The Last of Us. Universally loved by everybody who likes the thriller genre it's a it's a, a zombie apocalypse game, uh, you know. It's it's a lot about stealth. It's very story driven. I got uh, two hours into this game and I quit, uninstalled it, never went back to it. Can't stand it. And it's uh, very much for me part of this ongoing narrative in AAA games where the game has to be tragic to tell a good story and I really don't like that kind of thing I don't like tragedy for you know the sake of tragedy I kind of feel like the zombie thing is has been overplayed since roughly Left 4 Dead 2 um you know, I'll occasionally uh, still pop into Cold War and, and, you know, shoot some zombies, but that's more fun because, you know, uh, Nick has spreadsheets and that's hilarious. Um, but last Poor of us... Nick. We shit on him so bad on this show. <laughs> we love you, Nick. We, we really do. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about spreadsheets. It's just, you know, it's not how I game. Um, so, for me, what really ruined The Last of Us is... You know, th- there are two main characters. There's there's Ellie and Joel, I think, if I'm remembering it right. And Ellie's a kid, Joel's an older dude. And it starts at the beginning of the outbreak. And uh, in the first, like, ten minutes of the game, Joel's trying to escape the city with his daughter, and she gets bit and then gets shot by, like, the guards as they leave the city. And I I was immediately turned off. I don't like it when children are hurt in video games. Uh, I, it's I don't like it when children are hurt in in any media. Basically, it, it's kind of a uh, a button for me. So I already had kind of a negative view of how this game was going, and then I just it, I never connected with it. Like everything was apocalyptic and dystopic and tragic and. I understand, like, I, I went back and watched, like, story videos for the game, and I, I get how the story beats play out, but I just, I, my heart wasn't in it, I didn't really care about the zombies, I didn't really find the world very interesting, it's just, 
to me, it just all kind of faded into like Walking Dead stuff, and I just didn't enjoy it. So that's my my first overrated game. Well, all right. Uh, we'll segue into, I guess, my first overrated. Now, I gave you a lot of shit there in the beginning, but I, too, actually really struggled with this. Just because we've both played a shitload of video games, I mean, you know, we sound like bad Instagrammers here, but we've both been playing video games since, like, the 80s. I mean, I've been around since, like, 88, 89, I got my first Nintendo. And there's been a lot of really good games that don't get a lot of publicity, and there's been a lot of really shit games that get too much publicity. So I struggled with this. So to limit myself... I decided that I would pick only from the games that I still currently own. Okay, fair. So that this week, before we recorded, I could go back and play them again. That's fair. I think I can actually... I think I can say that. Uh, I own every single one of these games on something. I just... I know The Last of Us disc is buried somewhere in a in a binder. <laughs> And it was actually interesting because looking at DJ's list briefly while uh, we were getting ready, you know, as he was typing his mound of text for the Irishman, <laughs> uh, quite a few of them I don't own, and even some of them that I do technically own, I've never played. I've never played The Last of Us. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent. You know, it's what at this point, I mean, I have it downloaded. It's it's on my hard drive somewhere. I think it was a free PlayStation game one month. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll ever play it because it doesn't really look like it interests me. Number one, number two, I have so many other fucking games I have to yeah, finish. Yeah, we all do. And number three, the more people tell me to do something, the less likely I am to do it. <laughs> so so true. for every person, for every person that's like, you have to play this game. No, hey, I. Hey, Mark, buy a switch. See. <laughs> every time somebody tells me that, an angel gets shot in the back of the head. <laughs> So I've never played The Last of Us. I can't say whether it's overrated or underrated. I can I have played the first game on my list, and holy fucking shit, was it overrated. Uh, also, because these are all games that I still currently own, as much as I hate to admit it, there is more of a new, more of a more modern streak to this than I would have liked. Fair. For both sides. Uh, but here we go. 2009. We're going to go back to 2009 here. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. The shitty-ass remake. Not the shitty-ass remake of the shitty-ass remake, (laughs) because they just re-released this game on my birthday this past year as the ultimate insult. Was the re-remake any good? I don't know. I wasn't going to fucking play it. It's on the Switch. You could download it and tell me how it is. Amazing. I was a big fan of the original, the 1998 Need for Speed uh, Hot Pursuit, and then there was Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. Uh, they were fantastic games because they were so simple. There were, you know, unlike DJ, I usually like story, I usually like plot, but these games didn't have any of it. You were just yourself, you were in all these insane locales, like the jungle, like an island, like the desert, and you worked your way up and drove more progressively insane exotic supercars you started off with amg mercedes's and opal speedsters you know stuff we couldn't get in america and then by the end you're driving you know the mclaren f1 lm that they made five of to homologate to race 
and you're just racing through these places, I guess considered street racing, there was light traffic, and the cops would chase you. And the cops were pretty simple as cops went. You know, they would start off with Crown Vicks, and then they would get SUVs, and then, you know, maybe they would have a Corvette or something a little bit faster. But they would rely on numbers, they would rely on spike strips, they would rely on helicopters. They didn't have anything insane, and you would just keep racing and run away from the cops, and it was fun. It had a decent soundtrack, and it was mindless fun. So the remake came out, I'm like, oh, this is one of my favorite games. I gotta go buy this. I pre-ordered it, picked it up, Midnight Madness, got it home. This was the only time in my life I've ever been mad enough I wanted to take a game back. Nice. Never trade a game in. It's like textbooks. It's a waste of money to either trade games or textbooks in. Just never You know, do I did do that with the Metal Gear Solid collection. Wow. Yeah. And they're good games. Yeah, I uh, I almost put Metal Gear Solid on this list, but I just, I don't think it's underrated or overrated. It's just not my cup of tea. Wow. All right. Uh, so, uh, but I didn't take it back. It, they changed the entire formula. I mean, okay, you're on this this island now, and there's all these exotics, but now everybody has them. Like, even the traffic are like Koenigseggs and Lambos. The police have Bugatti Verons and, like, fighter jets. It's like, what the, what the fuck is all this? And then they have power-ups. It's like an arcade game. It's like Mario Kart. You could shoot missiles and deploy EMPs. And it, no. Just no. <laughs> and, like, okay, if that was... If that was it, if it was just a bad game, that would be fine. But it kept getting all this praise, and it kept getting all this hype. And it actually won the best racing game at the Gamer's Choice Awards, and the best driving game at the Spike TV Video Game Awards, which were a thing that lasted like three years. Gee, I wonder why they went out of business. Maybe giving fucking awards to games like this. <laughs> and just everywhere you turn, they're like, oh, this is like the greatest game which it wasn't, and it was like, oh, did you forget about the original? I remember I went back and actually was playing the original on the PlayStation, like the OG PlayStation. It was like, it was infinitely better than that piece of shit they put out for the PS3. <laughs> Mark his opinions. I mean, graphically, it was great. It was gorgeous, but it was awful. It was taken, it was when Criterion took it over. They, they don't know how to make racing games. They're out of business now. I wonder why. Uh, so, you know, just... Boo, boo that. And if you like that, I'm not going to judge you, but I'm going to say find an emulator, find the two original Need for Speed Hot Pursuits, which was Need for Speed number three, The Hot Pursuit, and then Need for Speed Hot Pursuit 2. Nice. Find both of those, play those. I guarantee you, you'll like them more. That's fair. I, the last time I would say I really enjoyed a Need for Speed game was Underground 1 and 2 and Carbon. Carbon is highly underrated. Carbon almost made my underrated list. Car- I guess Carbon would be my my uh, uh, honorable mention for underrated. Nice. Because it was filled. But Carbon is such a good game. Yeah, that's fair. It gets no love. It's the opposite of the Hot Pursuit remake. Oh, I know. I it's so It was so good. And those cliffside races, my heart's never beat so fast. No, they, they were brutal. Um... You know, the fact that you actually had, like, a crew, you know, as somebody who's been in car clubs a lot in my life, 
obviously it's hollow Hollywood eyes and dramatized, but there's a lot of kind of that that goes on. You always have a garage you hang out at. You always have guys that are good at different things. You sit around the garage, you drink, you talk shit. Um, it's kind of like what being in a car club's like. Nice. <laughs> All right. So what's your first underrated? Final Fantasy 15. You're saving that for, I thought that's how we, you, you were going to end no, on. No, but okay. no, I'm just, I'm, uh, it, this is a hot topic because, uh, the internet hates it. Uh, except weirdly for cosplayers, cosplayers love this game. Um, but I, this is another game I have not played yeah. again. I own it, have not played it and, yet. I mean, even within our gaming group, it is a hot, hotly debated topic. I'm the only one that likes it. Um, I bought into Final Fantasy 15 so hard because the first Final Fantasy game I ever played was 13 when it came out. Uh, I have since gone back and played most of the series and I, I love the series. It's fantastic. Final Fantasy spun off into Kingdom Hearts, which is one of the best game series ever made. Um, the 15th entry into Final Fantasy went back to single player after 14 was an MMO. And to, you know, kill your darlings, right? Final Fantasy 15 suffered from, like, a decade's worth of development. Uh, it was meant to be part of the 13 series. It was originally called um, FF13 Versus, I believe. Uh, and then they they kind of did some stuff with it and decided it didn't quite fit, and then they took part of the game and split it off into Type Zero, uh, which is also an underrated game, but didn't make my list. Uh, and so Final Fantasy XV, or as I like to affectionately, affectionately refer to it, as Boy Band Road Trip Simulator... Yes! Woo! Uh, is great. And I, this, uh, this game is one of the few games that really breaks my I'm not here for the story uh, mold because I actually really enjoyed the story as it was told in Final Fantasy XV. I know that it has problems. I know that it suffered from rough writing. They didn't really complete the story because there was supposed to be a bunch of DLC that got canceled. Uh, they released a book with an alternate world that would have basically been what they really wanted the ending to be. Um, and I'm slowly working my way through the book. But Final Fantasy XV had, had a movie. It had an anime. It had a demo that was fantastic where you played as the main character as a little kid and got to meet Carbuncle. And then it had the main game and a bunch of DLC. It's just It was this big multimedia venture that because of its writing has been universally panned and they they didn't do a great job with uh specifically the summoning mechanic um but i love it like i i there's an aspect to the game where a lot of the big plot points aren't actually told to you through the game like in normal ways you have to you have to kind of observe what's happening in the world and you have to like and this sounds really weird, but you have to keep the, the radio in the car on because the radio in the car, occasionally you'll get news of what's happening in the world. And the, the idea is you are the prince of a kingdom. 
you and your friends go on a road trip to head to another city where you're going to get married to your long betrothed, and on the road, you find out that your kingdom is destroyed and your father is killed. And then... Well, that got dark. Yeah, uh, and then <laughs> most... Like, that's in, like... I'm not... This is not spoilers. Uh, this is, like, maybe an hour into the game. Like, this is a very long game. And most of the story beats are told through you, like, stopping off to refuel your car and you hear it on a radio. Or you stop off at a settlement to to do a side quest and you hear, you know, some people talking about it. And the story is told in a really subtle way because most of the game is you and your boys trying to figure out what the fuck happened to this world. And the, the story starts to unravel a bit when you get later on and they made some weird design choices they had to patch and retcon. But um, ultimately, I, I really loved it. Uh, 90% of the game is you on a road trip with your boys just... You know, one of your buddies is a photographer, another one is a chef, the other one is training you how to fight. Uh, it's got, like, a weirdly good fishing mechanic. The game is absolutely beautiful. The story beats, when you get them, are really interesting and mysterious. Um, the only real regret that I have is that there was a character in the game and that you get to meet in the anime uh, who's supposed to be your betrothed, and she's off on this worldwide tour to help you retain like get your kingdom back and uh she just doesn't pop up in the game very much they didn't write her in enough and she was supposed to get her own dlc that got canned so there, there was there was definitely some beats of the story missing but i like how the story was told in a lot of ways so i'm, I'm willing to forgive a lot for how much fun that game was to play well, there you go. Which, what's uh, yours? What's my, my first underrated? underrated. Uh, it, it's two. It's a pair. They came out. It's the game and its sequel. They came out a year apart. And we're, we're going back a little further now. 1998 was the original for the Nintendo 64. Battle Tanks. All one word with tank spelled T-A-N-X. Now, this is kind of interesting. When I looked at your list earlier today, I got some warm, fuzzy feeling because it kind of took me back to the latter parts of grade school to junior high, if you will. One of your games that you're going to talk about as overrated <laughs> was sweeping through my classroom. Oh, yeah. Mine, too. Everybody and their brother was playing it. I played it over a few friends' houses. It was fine. It was whatever. I didn't have an opinion on it either way. But this battle tank shit. Now, full disclosure, I am a sucker for tanks. If I was ever in the military, I would want to be in the tank corps. I just think they're cool. I think armored warfare is neat. You know, I've, I've studied Patton and Rommel as a historian. I just, it interests me. So the the box art of the main character in a M1 A1 Abrams with a smoking barrel just drew me to it in the store to begin with. Um, plus the fact that it wasn't a very popular game, so it was discounted at the time. And let's face it, at the time, my parents didn't have a whole hell of a lot of money, so it was an easier sell. This game is awesome. <laughs> you play as Griffin Spade, who's basically like a biker, and you have a girlfriend named Madison. 
Uh, it's a little on the nose replaying it again because I forgot the main plot point was a pandemic starts <laughs> and kills 99% of all the female population. Oh, Jesus. This could go in a bad way. Yes. Of course, Madison is immune because plot armor. And she survives... Uh, during the midst of the pandemic, basically the nations are trying to hoard women, so nuclear war breaks out, society collapses, yada, yada, yada. Because of that, and because we're America, and we have this you know, insane vigilante and military-industrial complex, there are just tanks scattered around everywhere. So instead of making car clubs or biker gangs or everything, everybody makes tank gangs. And you go from city to city to city fighting tank warfare with your gang. And you know Madison must be alive in your heart because, you know, she was immune and the United States government basically came and took her out west because that's where all their quarantine sites were and blah, blah, blah. So you start off in New York City and you literally drive across the country destroying it until you get to Alcatraz, which is the last level and which is where they're holding all the women hostage. And each gang has a theme and a color and a different type of tank that they use. And there's some ludicrous fantasy tank designs. And it was just a whole hell of a lot of fun. It got a sequel a year later in 1999, Battle Tanks Global Assault, which as the name makes you believe you uh, go to Europe. You're not just fighting in America. And it was fine. It had a lot more uh, cool... Tank designs, you know, you're slowly starting to rebuild America and basically become America's de facto government. So you have a little bit more um, allies backing you up and things. You're not really such a one-man army. The storyline was goofy. It got into telepathy and magic and mental powers, which that was the one cool thing about the first game, as ridiculous as it is that you can, you know, have your own gang of tanks. The story and the presentation and everything was really well-grounded and really well-realistic. And the second one kind of got away from that. Um, but both games just had this wild, you know, they're talking about in the new Battlefield game that's supposed to come out whenever the hell it is, that you're going to have fully destructible cities. Battle Tanks did that 20 years ago. Yeah. Any building on the map you could destroy. That's amazing. Um, so uh, they're both pretty cheap now. So if you have an N64 and you don't have them, pick them up. They're a, a lot of stupid fun. And the four-player... Um, Deathmatch is a lot of fun. Deathmatches with nukes. Who doesn't love that? So what I'm hearing is that your favorite anime is Girls in Panzer. I was a fan. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I randomly got Girls in Panzer because I I bought, I think it was like the first season of Sword Art Online on DVD and they just sent me Girls in Panzer. That, that's just the gift that keeps on it giving. Is, it's right pretty there. good. All right, DJ, I I know this is your multimedia empire you got going here, but I think we need to make an executive decision here. Okay. I, I think this might be, what, our second or third episode? We're going to have to split into a two-parter? Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to have to cut this one because, I mean, you still have Mega Man to talk about. I do. And I still have the Saboteur to talk about. Uh-huh. So unless we want to keep these people here for four hours, I think we're just going to cut it here. Okay, okay. I guess that's fair. I know. I know. Y'all going to be disappointed, but it is what it is. Trust us. You're going to want to come back next week for the second part because, again, we got some really spicy takes coming. And uh, 
when you see my last overrated, you're going to see the two of us butt a little heads here. Yeah. So uh, with that, I think we'll just we'll wrap it up here. So again, thank you all for listening. Um, we're we're available on many places on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on our website. Uh, we're not on Twitter yet. We'll get there eventually. But we are the Wit and Whiskey Cast. Um, no H in Wit. There is an E in Whiskey. So if you punch us into your Google machine, you'll find us. Uh, on various social medias, give us a shout out. You'll find us on various podcast apps. We're on 19 different ones now, so you can find us, you can listen to us, give us a review, uh, leave us some love, leave us some questions, comments, concerns, let us know what's going on. Uh, we love hearing from that. We love hearing our music each and every week. Big shout out to Nuno Henry Silva for that, as always. Um, and as always, we're going to have his SoundCloud information in our notes, so go check him out, give him a listen, give him some love as well. And yeah, next week it's going to be Hot Takes and Video Games and Whiskey, oh my, part two. Yeah, and if you're new to the show, uh, thanks for joining us here in uh, the good old W&W. Um, if you've got any topics you want to hear about or any whiskeys you want to review or want us to review or... Any any bad cocktails you want to recommend? Where uh, you can reach us at the Wit and Whiskey Cast at Gmail .com or at the Wit and Whiskey Cast specifically on Instagram and Facebook. Um, feel free to jump into DMs and and send us a private message. Let us know. Yeah, slide into our DMs. We love that. Well, not that way. Uh, well, I mean, maybe that way. We'll see. <laughs> it depends on how many I've had that night. Maybe I'll play along. <laughs> Yeah, that's as good enough a place to end. Yeah. Uh, until next week, ladies and gentlemen, this is Marcus Eddy for DJ Gagnon saying salut. Cheers. <laughs>